For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, and welcome to Financials Future Rich Podcast. And I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, so that's a certified financial planner. And I have my first expert, Marcus Garrett. Uh, welcome, Marcus. Hello, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. And you are the host of a really awesome podcast called Paychecks and Balances. That's correct. So uh, if you... Paychecks and yeah, Paychecks and Balances, uh, as the name applies, and the original motto was, we help you raise your paychecks and lower your balances. And then our most recent tagline is, we help millennials, although all working professionals are welcome, make more money, save money, and get out of debt. Well, I love that. And so do all my listeners. So if you haven't checked it out, please check out his podcast. But he's here today to talk to us about, um, he has a great book, and you are the author of Debt Free or Die Trying. That's correct. Cool. So tell me a little bit about it. I mean, um, I believe I understand it. So you got yourself into some credit card debt, right? Yeah. Um, so I I apologize for anyone who's listening to this again, but I think I'm going to have to, I told the story a hundred times before and I'll probably have to tell it a hundred times again. So for those You're going to have to tell it forever. Yeah, exactly. Those people, you know, they, it's like, uh, I guess this is my Wakanda. I guess I'll just be doing like the Wakanda salute and that'll be my book. And I'd be like, man, that movie's like 15 years old. But that being <laughs> said, yeah, let me try to get my energy levels up. So the short version of it is, and we can go as long as possible. Yes, about $9,000 of that was credit card debt originally, but I got into $26,000 in debt in a 72-hour period. It, so oh, I didn't know it was in 72 hours. <laughs> yeah, this story is... What did you do in 72 hours? Um, well, it all started in a flashback music. I was 22 years old. I had about $9,000 in debt. And so like most millennials, if you went to the yard, um, of course, you have that story where the credit card companies, which is now illegal, and it should be because it was predatory, were out there with their T-shirts or yo-yos or community service or whatever you were passionate about at the time. I happen to like yo-yos, apparently. They signed you up for a credit card, I think. Actually, my first, I think, was an American Express because it's like my oldest card now. Uh, Discover card, and I got a third one at some point. Um, unlike some people, somehow I didn't manage to max it out, and I think we all have that story where we, it, it started off really responsible. So I got that at like age 20 or so. Didn't max out any cards. I had like $9,000 in debt across three cards. But when I graduated... And so, like all graduates, I'm like, yo, I'm about to go out here, ball out, six figures. That's what I do. I'm I mean, because right, that's what happens. You graduate college and someone offers you a six-figure yeah. job. That's what exactly. everyone thinks, right? I'm like, you know, I'm going to flip that for a few years, switch that to seven figures. <laughs> it didn't quite work out like that. <laughs> I, actually, my first job was $19,600. So just and like a little shy of what you thought. I remember it so distinctly because I made less money at my first full-time job than I did working part-time at uh, Office Depot 20 hours a week. 
I didn't have I didn't have healthcare coverage though, so I did have job security and healthcare coverage, which was something I didn't really price at the time. I'm just like, yo, I went to school for this. This is this is BS. Yeah, I took I took a pay cut from waiting tables in the summer when I got my full time job. I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. I went to college and got a degree and I make less money now. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 maybe it was all in my head, but I feel like all of my friends were like, ah, 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 you went to college for that, you know, like, I felt <laughs> like I had, I heard the laughter in my, uh, uh, maybe it was literal, but it definitely sounded like it. So I graduated with $9,000 in credit card debt, and I got an offer for a consolidation loan at the time. I had no idea what a consolidation loan was, but they were like, you know, one low, easy down payment, and I remember thinking at that time that it was the bank's responsibility to determine who can manage money. It wasn't my responsibility. So I'm like, yo, this institution says I can manage $10,000. Obviously, I can. So I filled out the paperwork, didn't read the contract, um, sent it off. And I really kind of forgot about it. I moved on with life. You know, I'm graduating. I'm looking for my six-figure job. I ain't got time to think about $10,000 checks. And then <laughs> this check showed up in the mail a few weeks later. I literally wasn't even looking out for it. I wasn't really worried about it. And for some reason in my head, I thought they would pay off the credit card on my behalf, probably because that would make sense. I'm 22 years old. <laughs> they didn't even verify my income. I don't even, I'm not even sure I had had a job at that time. I'd never made, obviously, slightly more than $19,000. And they sent me this $10,000 check to a 22-year-old who couldn't even manage $9,000 across three credit cards. And I was like, I'm rich. <laughs> yes, time to ball out. So I went to the club. The credit cards was the last thing on my mind. I was actually in a relationship at the time with a, what I call a financial enabler. And so she's like, yo, let's go out here and spend this money. I think she got some purses. Not that I could judge because I had a bag full of, cl uh, you know, a bag full of clothes and everything too. Everything material that was important to me at 22 years old, probably. So I'm probably like a 30, 32 in the waist. I'm thinking like, 36 in the waist jeans and probably like 38 length, you know, jabos and things of that nature. This was the 2000s. Okay. <laughs> and, and so I bought everything materially that I thought was um, important to me in my life. And somehow I still didn't even spend the money. Uh, I still had money left over. It's actually very difficult to spend $10,000 in one weekend, it turns out. And so when we woke up the next day, uh, I was like, I need a car. I, I can't drive. I graduated college. I can't drive this little hand-me-down vehicle that my parents had got me that was paid off, I might add. I was like, I need to upgrade. And so I remember distinctly, I went to the lot. Oh, and my gosh. I, I, it was a small town. And I remember the dealer was like, okay, do you want to... Go ahead. I picked out this car, like on site. I was like, I want that one. It had rims. So I was like, I got to have that one. I just pointed <laughs> at it, right? That one right there. And he was like, okay, do you want to step in, you know, negotiate? And I was like, I don't negotiate. Just give me the car, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was like trying to help you out. Yeah. In hindsight, he, and this is, you know, the benefit of a small town for those small town listeners out there. I'm talking small college town, less than 15,000 people to give some context. He literally sat me down and it was like, making me be patient he's like look let's pull up your credit report i was like ah oh, man like i could be driving my my car on rims right now what are we doing <laughs> and he was like he took me over to the loan officer and he's like look okay let's talk to the loan officer and actually i think it'd be better if you went to the credit union if i remember correctly i think he drove me to the credit union. what a good guy <laughs> i was so eager to spend this money and he just would not take it and we so anyway uh for those people keeping track at home that's a ten thousand dollar loan I didn't put anything down on the car. I got a $13,000 used car, Toyota Camry on rims, uh, 2005. 
And so I'm at, where does that get me? 23,000. And people, people can buy all that. Okay, you're 22, you bought out, you made it rain, you got a financial enabler. We get it. That's cool. $23,000. I get it. But then I bought a $3,000 TV, and that's where people are like, time out. Wait, 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 wait. You bought a three, that's exactly what I was going to say. You bought a 3000 I didn't even know they made TVs for $3,000. That's where people think I'm lying. That's the one part of the story that, like, it's untrue. But it was, I graduated school in 2005. The flat screen TVs that you can get at Walmart now, it was a 32-inch TV for, like, $300. They were $3,000. Yeah, they were more expensive. Thank you. Yes. I yeah, went they to were. cons. I'm not even sure if cons still exist. I know Circuit City is gone. But I went to cons, and I got a one of those 0% interest loans. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, I want that TV. And it might have been more than 3000 because I got the TV and the TV stand that it was sitting on. Like, I... You're like, I'll take that whole thing. Yeah. I was like, give me the display. You know, I'm walking out. I was like, just strap it on the car. Just and you probably didn't negotiate down for the display, did you? <laughs> Actually, they did give me a discount on the okay. display because <laughs> on principle, they're like, all right, man, you can have it. <laughs> they were probably trying to get rid of it. Uh, so that gets us up to $26,000. I actually did manage to pay off one of the three cards and how I got to the kind of 30,000, which is a story of the book is I had a small loan. Most of my school was paid for. So my last semester, because I transferred schools, I had about 11 hours to pay for. So I had about a $3,000 school loan. So that's the story of how I buried myself in $30,000. So, so you did it really quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, and then how long how long did it take you without giving everything away from the book? How long did it take you to pay everything off? It took me seven years to pay off that seventy two hour weekend. <laughs> and, and a lot of people ask now. So I'm thirty six for the you know people who are you know, the new listeners, if you will. Uh, so six years removed from the debt story, and then what is that? Another six years removed from the that seventy two hour weekend. And so the obvious question is, do you regret it? And it's one of those questions that's difficult to answer. It's almost like one of those parallel split universes. Shout out to the people who like watch the Netflix um, special that just came out, uh, Black Black Mirror special. I'm sorry, yeah. I, was blank, I was blanking on the name. So <laughs> where you can choose all these different timelines. So here's one scenario. Had I just graduated, gone on to be an average Joe, got my $19,000 job and worked it for the next 40 you know, years until I retired, like most, you know, at least what you used to do in the past, mm -hmm. would, would I be here today? Would I have a book? Would I have a story to tell? And so, but for that experience, I have no way of knowing how my life, my money management process, my thinking and perspective um, would be. And so it's really difficult to answer because it, it, it's like whatever your, you know, cultural reference may be back to the future, you go back and change that one event and what are all the unintangible, unintended consequences that take place. So. Right. Cause it would change I, the whole trajectory, your whole trajectory. Yeah. And while it was extremely painful to go through, it is definitely not something I would recommend it is kind of one of those clarity of hindsight. And if you were going to do something that stupid, I'm glad I did it at 22. Exactly. Yeah. And that you got to learn the skills that you need it to then succeed later on. Right. Right. So for those who are interested, that is the book and the full story is uh, Debt Free or Die Trying is available all over the internet. <laughs> 
I, well, I learned something new because I didn't know it happened so quickly. Um, but I knew that you didn't have, I knew that it wasn't really primarily student loans, which was great because the student loans, um, as you said, they've changed some of the credit card laws so that you they can't go out to colleges and just have you open up credit cards. Because I did that, I just never used them, but I opened, I think I opened up somewhere between three and six credit cards at a football game to get blankets. So I was like, do you need a blanket? Let me go get you a blanket. And then I opened up another card and I got a new blanket. Um, so what? I, what? That's also an impressive story as well. Fortunately, I didn't use them. I don't know where they got mailed. I think they might've gotten mailed to my parents' address. So I, I, when I went to go check my credit report, I was like, oh my God. I, and I think it was PNC, which is, I went to school in Pennsylvania. And they just let me keep opening cards. And I mean, I have like six blankets to show for it. Um, it was a really cold outdoor football game. And so I was like, this is easy. All I do is fill out this application and I get a blanket. Like this is a win-win in my mind. And then after college, I was going through my credit report and I was like, where are all these credit cards from? And I was like, oh, that football game where I gave everybody blankets. Well, now I have two questions. Okay. Uh, so number one is, do you still have the blankets? <laughs> no, I do not still have the blankets. Thank God. Oh, okay, I thought that was going to have a happy ending. <laughs> uh, and then number two, because uh, I'm actually curious, because um, I I have a story somewhat related to that as well, as I kind of learned how to manage credit differently as I got older. But did you close any of those cards? Have you, or do you have any thoughts or insight on closing cards? So I ended up closing all of those cards I weren't, I was not using. Um, and also, when I was in my twenties, I would open up. Um, or, probably a, a little bit in college too, I would open up um, credit cards at some of the retailers to get discounts. Mm -hmm. So I went through through and closed that. So now I really have, this might sound like a lot to some people, but um, four credit cards. So I have two that I use as personal. Uh, I have an emergency backup for, um, credit card, which my sister has one so that she has an emergency credit card, but it's under my credit. And then I have one for my corporation. Um, so everything else has been closed. So I'm going to tell this in the reverse order because I think if I, you know what, I am going to tell it in the order because I think it'll be more dramatic. Um, but I do have a question. Mm -hmm. then. Did that negatively ding your credit score? Like, cause I, I think a lot of people are hesitant to close cards and I present company included at least some versus I've heard conflicting insight on it. So from the personal perspective, did it impact your credit score? No, but at the time I wasn't doing anything where it w like where I was needing credit. Um, so I think that in the short term, it probably does affect it when you close a bunch of cards like that. Right. Cause I think, I think I had three or four from this one company where I got the blankets. Um, but there was, I was doing nothing in the near term where I needed my credit. So it didn't have, I had no impact on me. So I didn't go to do anything and have them say, oh, your credit is, you know, has dropped or is bad. So I've always had good credit. So it probably went down in a short, during a period when it was closed, but I didn't go for a credit check or do anything where I needed credit during that time frame. So it didn't affect me. Okay. And I appreciate that context. I have to uh, recommend some of our listeners come over and check this one out for that. And the reason I asked that was obviously a lead into the story that I'm about to tell all this would be a much quicker one. And the reason I know this is I typically use Mint um, to monitor my credit, but I also have access to my FICO score through Discover card that I have. That's actually the only thing that I use it for. And I found out, and it was interesting to me, I have 21 lines of credit open. Wow. Yeah. And 
to give context to that, that's from those cards I opened at age 18 all the way up to 36. So basically that covers 18 years of credit cards. Because typically what I've done is I open the card with the best offer at the time. So I'm like, okay, this card, and I'll fully disclaim, the best card, and I still use, and it's actually one of my original ones because it came through my bank, is Chase Freedom. And I had Chase Freedom. I don't have it in front of me, but that one's got to be at least 10 to 15 years old. Is that one blue? Yeah. Yeah, I have that. It's my emergency card. I have that one too. Yeah, I mean, that's why I fully disclaim. It's a it's a great credit card. Chase doesn't pay me. I wish they did. <laughs> Maybe they will. <laughs> they got the money to do so. But um, I say that because, to your point, I only actively use typically one or two cards. And I only do that because I Chase, I also disclaim this, I love Chase, but it's almost like their fraud protection is too good. Chase has protected me from my own money more <laughs> often than any other institution I've ever worked for. Um, I mean, there was a point where I could not shop at Target. Like, I would go to Chase, or excuse me, I'd go to Target, swipe my Chase card, and they'd be like, nope. <laughs> You're going to put all of that back. <laughs> Which is fine, but it's just personally embarrassing. People are like, oh, man, dang, he can't even manage. Isn't that that guy that wrote that Debt for Your Die Trying book, and now he can't even get he out of the line? And... <laughs> it, it, it's really good that they're tight on the security, but when it happens and you're, like, in line and people are behind you and they're like, Ma'am, your card has been declined. I'm like, no, it's not declined. They just don't know that I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And it's the slowest text ever because for those who have Chase, you know that they'll text you and say, hey, is this you? That text comes anywhere between five seconds and 55 minutes. I don't know what kind of algorithm they're running behind the scenes, but there's been times where it comes, it'll, it'll show up like an hour later. I'm at a whole other store. I moved on with life. <laughs> Uh, I'm embarrassed. I'm, exp I'm apologizing to people in line as I collect my stuff and put it back in the home decor section. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, this is so embarrassing. I'm glad I'm not that guy. So for context, the reason I opened it in that order is I have an 800 credit score. I got over 800 for the first time um, actually last year, which would be 2018. Y'all are listening to this in 2019. And so some people are going to be like, 21 lines of credit. He must have a horrible credit score. And it's because I don't actively use all those. Right. And I have debated a significant portion, well, I guess not significant, but a, a portion of your credit score is credit history, how long you've had credit. I've like, I just don't like having all those cards open. So I monitor, I use um, Experian to monitor my, my credit. I, it's free and for reasons that I don't know if they want me talking about. <laughs> but it is free to me and it's also free to some people who signed up to a service and they know who they are 12 months ago. And that being said, I, I use that to monitor, so none of them are being actively used, obviously, except for the two that I'm actually using. And I've debated, like you, should I go back and close all those lines of credit just as a means of protection, even if it does temporarily ding my credit score? Yeah, I just hate it looking at my credit report and having all these items outstanding that I knew I wasn't going to use. Um. You know, I did. I wasn't planning on going back to Pennsylvania, so I didn't want to have. You know, I didn't need that relationship with the the bank that I opened all those cards with. Um, and at the time, I wasn't even thinking about it digging my credit, just because I was like, oh, I'm just going to close all this and get this cleaned up, and wasn't needing credit for anything in the future. But I like it because it makes me feel more organized, not having so many outstanding lines of credit. But I, I think, as you said, you have a really good credit score, so I'm sure if you closed it, I would just do it if you know when there's nothing coming up in the near term, right? Right. And, I, I mean, for those wondering, even when I have seen my score drop, if I make positive um, payments and maintain positive habits, 
usually no more than 90 days. It's usually back where it is. I, I, it's There was one rare circumstance, but it was actually a convergence of a lot of bad timing is because I was moving and buying stuff and looking for uh, home and apartments. I was getting dinged repeatedly. That took about 10 months to recover. But typically, no matter what I do, my score kind of fluctuates in the high 700s at this point, I think because of that length of credit I have and because of what I've demonstrated over the years and people who are kind of wondering about that. And if I do go to that exercise, I guess that'll be something I'll have to revisit on the show. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I usually as long as you have good history, um, as you said, you make on time payments and you're not utilizing all of it, because I think that's one of the components of it, right? Utilization of credit. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you stalling because I have to get this pie chart in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 30% is utilization. So that's open credit uh, divided by total credit that you have available. So how much credit are you using, quite literally? Uh, 35%, and these are estimates, but I got this from Experian, which is a major credit bureau for uh, those who aren't. Yep, it's one of of the top three, right? Right. Uh, So... 35% is payment history. So just by that math right there, 65% of your credit score is utilization, how much credit you're using, and history. So that's one of the few, like this is what we talk about on the show, uh, benefits that comes from being a senior millennial is just by the nature of being old, we're actually benefiting from a lot of these habits. Is that what you're calling us now? Yeah, well, that's what I... I, I'm with you. I'm like, I'm two years younger, so I, I will qualify as a senior millennial as well. I like that. Well, it actually, I didn't call myself anything. This uh, younger listener probably still listens to the show. (laughs) They wrote in, and I think they thought they were complimenting us, and they were like, yeah, guys, you know, as y'all senior millennial really inspired me. And we were like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) We were were behind the scenes, like, shaking our walkers, like, oh, we're so angry. How do you send a text message on this smartphone? (laughs) uh, It's actually uh, funny but offensive at the same time, so we just kind of ran with it. So that's kind of where the senior millennial tag came from. That's really funny. But, yeah, no, it's Mind true. You, we're at the – what? They wrote, that, they, they, they wrote that in when we were younger than we are now. This is like a years old. <laughs> so we were actually younger at the time that they wrote it. So now we're probably super senior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't even know an elder millennial or something. I don't even know what comes next. But, yeah, I just – I checked my credit score because I actually didn't know. I hadn't checked in a while. But mine is um, like eight-something – low eights. So I don't think, and I mean, obviously I closed these cards a, a long time ago. I would say probably in my early twenties. So over 10 years ago. So if it did ding it, it did, it dinged it temporarily, but now I have no issue with my credit. And I mean, similar to you, it's actually funny you say that me as a person, so I'm an auditor by day. It's funny that I could even, that's not my natural uh, inclination is to have things open like I like list I like things organized yeah. I like numbers to end in zero like I'm, I'm really uh, borderline OCD I'm, I'm right I'm right there above like turning the stove on and off three times <laughs> so, so it's actually I'm actually pretty impressed with myself that I could do that and it's partially because I didn't know and partially because I don't know the consequences of it so it's another one of those timeline roles I'm like all right what happens if I close it and then suddenly I see the perfect house or perfect well I already have a new car uh but I see something that I want to buy and you're like ah sorry we see that you closed 11 accounts yesterday we don't know what's up with that and so I think it's just this paranoia but I do think eventually I'm going to go through there and uh, clean it up clean it up at best maybe get it down to like three yeah, I actually, I went through and looked and I closed more than I did. And I remember I told you I had opened up um, department stores. Right. So I closed Ann Taylor, Banana Republic, Bloomingdale's, and Macy's all right around the same time. Besides the ones I closed in my early 20s from the football game. 
That's funny too because Banana Republic closed their card on me. Oh really? Because, because I didn't use it enough, and I was like, "How are you gonna close?" And I'm talking about a year. Like I'm not talking about like I just never used it. And like I went in, I, I still had the card. And I went into like, I don't know, get a polo or something. I like Banana Republic's polos. And they're like, this, sir, this car is closed. And again, it's just it's just embarrassing. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean it's closed? I'm sitting here looking at the expiration date. They're like, well, it's closed due to inactivity. I'm like, they do that? <laughs> I don't I don't ever. It's been very rare that someone has just refused to take my money. They're like, yeah, look, you, you don't shop here enough. We're shutting you down. We're shutting you down. Take the privilege of charging you interest on this credit card. And I, yeah, same to you. I like using Banana Republic because they give like ten to the forty percent off, depending on the day. Yeah, they're always really tempting because they're like, oh, if you use this, then you'll get this percentage off, and it's really tempting. But then what happened for me with one of those? I went in, and they're like, do you have the card? I said I do, but I don't obviously don't carry it with me because I've been really good about just sticking to having fewer cards and using only those ones. So they're like, oh, we can look it up for you so you can get your twenty percent off. But then what I didn't think about is like remembering to pay it. So I got dinged for not remembering to pay for that one Banana Republic bill. And it wasn't that I couldn't afford it. It was just that I forgot about it. And for some reason thought they would like, I was, I think I was set up for like online only and they didn't send me, send me a physical bill. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when I checked it, it was like, you have this, like, you, you haven't paid this credit card bill when I went online to check my, uh credit report and I was just like oh dear so I was like I'm just going to close all of them and just stick with keeping it simple having my three cards two that I use and then I don't have to worry about tracking everything because it's a it can be I have a hard time tracking everything running a business and then also making sure all my personal stuff gets taken care of okay and I think that's both a good segue into um so I, I, I track all mine through Mint. I have all my cards linked there, number one. And then number two is I think some people might be listening. They're like, why doesn't he hate credit cards? And <laughs> I didn't hate credit cards when I wrote the book. I still don't hate them now. I think used responsibility, and I, I mean, I do, they can be a benefit. And I will say, uh, for what it's worth, I did do the book review on Dave Ramsey. And I, I know he's pretty adamant, like no credit cards. Right. He kind of compared it to giving a drink to an alcoholic. I do think you have to tailor it to your lifestyle. Like I, and we talk about this on the show. So my personality is spender. We talk about like introverts and extroverts. So we also break that down into spenders and savers. My natural personality quite obviously is to spend, but that's not like a credit card's fault. That is me who I am. It doesn't matter if I have cash, credit, I'll find a way to spend it. So I automate everything. That's why I thought that was a good segue. Is So everything that I do, as I say on the show, is paid for by the fifth, approximately. Okay. And I do that because, and when I say that, I mean the IRA is funded, the 401k is funded, the credit cards are paid off. I got a whiteboard calendar that I usually fill, I, that, actually not usually, I do fill out every month because I'm crazy. And I like to literally see and I check off each bill as I go through my little auto payments and I pay everything off about, about approximately the fifth. I have a few things, like you said, that are automated that come in like throughout the month, but there is nothing, unless it's like a, a toll road or something I didn't plan for, there's nothing <laughs> that I pay that's not already automated. And people are like, man, that's so responsible and organized. And I'm like, I had to do that because if I see money in my account, I'm going to go out and buy the car with rims. Like, <laughs> You know yourself. Yeah, I was like, I am not, 
I don't have the either the capability, the maturity, the mental stability to look at an account with money in it. Like it's got to move. I need to move it into savings. It's got to be. I can't so th- that I have a question for you then. So then, with yep. your savings, because I definitely recommend this for people when I determine that they're a spender. Because as you said, there's different personality types when it comes to money. And some people, if they see the money, they're just going to spend it. So for a lot of people, I recommend that their savings account is totally separate from their checking. I agree wholeheartedly. And (laughs) as you know, I'll I'll go ahead and tell my New Year's Eve story is I, so my um, savings right now is part of my checking account and I'm going to need to break that habit. But I can speak to at least at least provide the context. Maybe I'm just pleading for the mercy of the court or why it happened. This way. <laughs> so well, you last... should always have like a little overflow in the one. I think it's important to have like an overflow, like an extra thousand dollars or five hundred in your savings linked to your checking, just so you never go over. But like your true savings, I feel like needs to be out of sight, out of mind for the mo- for most people. No, I agree with you, and I'm going to need to loop myself into the most people category. That's okay. why it's a, an evolving story, if you will. So at least the backstory, if it will, and I'll, I'll say this part quickly because it actually helped me out a lot. I used to have my debit card linked to, and I didn't even know this. I, you know, I'm, I'm a researcher, so I looked up the research and I, I turned off the debit card function where you can. I still have overdraft protection, and most people don't know this is why I'm sharing it. I still have overdraft protection tied to my savings account, but I turned off that feature where they can deem you $35 for getting access to your own money, where if you go over your checking account and they basically approve the debit, there's there's a fancy term for it, but if you use your debit card and you don't have enough in your checking account, they'll usually charge you about somewhere between $25 and $35, and then they transfer the money. Yeah, I turned that off. (laughs) I didn't know that they did that. Yeah, yeah. I was like... Uh, and, and, and I'll look up the term for it. I'll get it to you in the, in the, in the post-show notes. And there's okay. like a whole legal challenge behind this and everything like that. And it's still legal where they can arrange your payments in a batch, not by the order in which you pay, but from highest to largest. So what they do is, let's say you go out and you have, and I'm not going to be able to do this math in my head. Let's for simple simplicity, you have $1,000 in your checking account. And you go out, you know you're getting paid at midnight or something like that. Because most people, 70% live paycheck to paycheck. So they're like, okay. I'm going to pay for $5 here, you know, rent there, $500 car note, but I'm going to wait to pay this $1,200 payment at 12.01 a.m. The right. bank can come in and say, oh, we see this 12, 12.01 payment. We're going to charge that first, regardless of the order that you paid it, and then we're going to tag you for all these other fees, which are now drafting, overdrafting your account. Then we're going to post your check. So although you paid at 12.01 a.m., as far as they're concerned, and and they can arrange that because it's that difference between people, well, people who live on the margins. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> people out there, they're going to be able to relate to that available versus pending balance. Yes. And there's been days where I'll log in and it's like available balance, $5,000. I'm like, yeah, balling. And then pending is like $4,999. I'm like, what? Like, what? I only have a dollar available right now. What's going on? <laughs> and so they, anyway, it's basically an algorithm that plays that game of, okay, how much can we charge this person in fees? So I turn that off. That is a feature available in most banks, so I'll you know, disclaim or disclose that I bank through Chase. I know that's a feature available to Chase, and I've been told, although I know they're not very popular right now, that uh, Wells Fargo also has that feature as well. So it might be something you want to look into, and I'll get you the specific notes for how you go about doing it, because uh, you do have to, that's the funny thing, they don't make it easy. Oh, they never, they never, no institution ever makes it easy to save yourself from the fees. Yeah, it's, 
it took a couple clicks and some research for me to find it, but it is out there and it is available to you. And you can still have overdraft protection on. So I believe it's debit card protection. You can turn that off. Okay. And it's it's actually a misnomer because it's quote unquote debit card protection, but it doesn't protect you. It's just a way. It just costs you money. Yes. And then the other part of the story is, so we, you know, when we were getting ready for this show, you asked me how my new year was going at the time of this recording. That was seven days into this recording. It was going great for six days and about 18 hours. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, so shout out to the Cowboys. I was out watching the Cowboys game. As y'all know, I, whenever you hear this episode, at that time they were winning. So I don't know if I'm talking in the past or the future, but they were still in the playoffs at the time. And so <laughs> I tell that part to say, like, I'm in an apartment complex, and most people can relate to this. Like, if you stay out past roughly 9.01 p.m., all the parking spaces are gone. And so I take full responsibility that I came home and I was lazy. And I was like, you know what? I'm a park in the permit parking. It is what it is. I'll move it in the morning. I'm going to this, ignore this little toe sign. Like I have 365 other days of the year, whatever I do this, or roughly 200 days out of the year. Because my logic would be like, who's checking it between 9.01 and like, what, 6.30 or 7 a.m.? Yeah. Well, snitches <laughs> get stitches because somebody was peeping out the window, apparently, or walking the dog, and they're like, hmm. That car doesn't belong there. Oh, no. I woke up in the morning. I came back to an empty car space. And for anybody who's been towed, I don't know if that's all-inclusive or that's a limited audience. I usually get towed about once a year. year, So I can tell you where my lifestyle is. And I was it's always that panic where it's like, okay, did someone steal my car or tow my car? It is the worst. I think it's the worst feeling. It happened to me a few months ago, and I was having stomach drops because I'm like, I know I left my car here, and now it's no longer here. <laughs> and then you, you go through that point of denial, like, okay, you know, the mind isn't as sharp as it used to be. The, the hamster takes a little bit. That's because we're senior millennials. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, okay, I think I parked it here. So now I'm looking around, I'm dinging the, you know, I'm like, all right, maybe I parked it somewhere else, and I'm the crazy person. But I did park it there, and it did get towed. And I tell that part to to tell this, this like, careful part of the story. You know, you know, I try to tie all these things together and put a bow on it. So... For the last five years, you know, the stock market has been wonderful. So I haven't really prioritized having an emergency fund. I'm like, I have Marcus, that's my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but here, let me explain. My okay, okay. I'm like, I got a pretty secure job. I've never been laid off. I am not rich, but like I have enough money to get by from month to month. And it's never really been an issue. And so I've been putting all my money in the stock market. Um, you know, in a balanced, I use a target date fund and I've been allocating about 18 to 20%. Well, not all of my, I'll put hundred percent, but I put most of my savings in the stock market and that's changed now, obviously, uh, not that I'll stop investing, but I'll obviously need to fund this emergency fund. So I get out there to this empty parking space, flash for it. And I'm like, huh? All right. So I call the tow truck company, $300. Ooh, that is high. Yes, to get my own car. That's and, higher than New York City. Yes, and the reason I said snitches get stitches is because they, they revealed, they're like, yeah, the manager called it in. <gasps> I'm like, yo! <laughs> I hope you didn't give him a Christmas bonus or a like, holiday yo, bonus. Where's the, where, where's the loyalty? Like, I was looking for the manager. I was like, oh, man, that boy, if I see. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to calm down. I was like, look, you know what? And I, I, I tell this story because... I'd be a lot more angrier um, in the past. Like this would have been a difference maker. And this is something I'm gonna talk about on one of our upcoming shows is just five years ago, 
$300, I'm talking about, that's a spiral. Like, I'd have been charging. And I started talking to Rich, who is my co-host on the show. I was like, what would you do if you didn't have $300? Right. You know, it's going up every, and let's say you got to wait to the next paycheck. And I I just kind of started thinking through these worst case scenarios. And I kind of recognized the privilege that I was in where I was like, this is annoying. This is stupid. But it isn't going to ruin your whole month or the next month. Yeah, it is a major inconvenience. Like I basically need to make an adjustment for the next 23 days because as we talked about, it's the 7th. So I've already paid all my bills. I wish I had known my car is going to get towed. I was <laughs> You, were, you, know, you just paid all your bills. Yes, exactly. So, you know, all the bills are paid, which in itself is a privileged position to be in. Everything's taken care of. It's just as inconvenience that I now need to kind of adjust my budget for $300. But wait, there's more. Because, you know, Uh-oh. there's always got to be a plot twist. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, when it rains, it pours. So I get to the tow truck company, and I thought they weren't going to release it. So they point out that my tags are expired. But here's why my tags expired. That weekend, I went to go renew my registration. They couldn't renew it because my headlamp was out, which actually I didn't know. I, I'm not like hiding this headlight. My headlight was out, <laughs> and they didn't have the tools to fix the headlight, so they couldn't renew me for the registration. And I'm like, this is the craziest, stupidest sequence of events. Like I was waiting for like Ashton Kutcher to like jump out, like jump out and be like, "You're being filmed." Yeah, punked part two. Like I was like, "Yo, there's like, how's this happening? There, there's no. This is like the craziest timing of events." So they did give me my car, fortunately, because I did have active insurance. I took it over to the car dealership. I drive in, and they tell me that the headlight works. No, really? <laughs> yes. And so they're like, okay, we can renew it for you. They take it in the back. And they, they, I don't know if this is a scam. I'm not a mechanic. If you're a mechanic out there, please write in. But <laughs> you always go in for the $1990, $1999 oil change. And they come out, they're like, yeah, hit the $3,000 diagnostic report. Like, <laughs> yeah, everything is wrong. The brake pads, the wheel alignment, I know. So they take my car to the back, and they're like, oh, we found it out. It's a bad fuse. The headlight is fine. It's a bad fuse. We got to put it up on this, 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 that, yada, yada, yada. Another $300, because I think my conspiracy, I also got a conspiracy side. I think all that shipping and handling that the economy used to get has now been put into parts and labor, because no one knows what labor is. (laughs) The part's like $15, and labor's like $1,500. So yes. The, the part was like 30 bucks and he's like, well, but he's got to get in. He's got to unscrew this. He's got to move this, that, and that's $300. I was like, e-. so long story short, that non-emergency fund that I don't have uh, suddenly blossomed into $600 and then it was $75 for that registration that I couldn't get. Oh, so that was an expensive day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be chilling this month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be staying home a lot. The funniest part of that story is I was so proud of myself uh, of how financially responsible I was that weekend because I just went out. I had a few drinks. I watched the Cowboys game. I came home, spent like 30 bucks, a couple beers. I was so proud. I'm like, man, good start to the year. New me, new year, new me. And life was like, just you wait. And so it's just kind of, it's funny how that happens. I'm very glad that I'm in a different position now. Don't get me wrong, I ain't gonna be able to do anything for the next four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> what is that what is that car commercial where it's like doc uh the the guy like jumps out and he's always like wrecking people's cars? Oh um 
mayhem. Yeah, the mayhem. It's like when you least expect it, when you feel like you're on track is you is usually when something goes wrong and it's never just one thing, it's always like at least two things. Yes. So the takeaway from that story is that you do need to fund the emergency fund. Yes. How sick you think you are. And that is the, uh, I'm glad I learned this lesson in January. Cause that's the- yes, because now you can like get, that could be like your, one of your New Year's resolutions to like always have your emergency fund. Yeah, I was uh, planning to do um, something else with my tax return, but now I think I'm just I'm just gonna fund the emergency fund. No, so everyone hates having it. Whenever I tell people they need to have an emergency fund, they like kind of balk at the idea. They're like, "Well, should I do investing?" Or if they end up having money, they're like, "Oh, I should invest it." And I'm like, "No, you should leave it in cash, ready to be available, like if you have an emergency." And they all look. Everyone always really doesn't like the idea because it's not that exciting and it makes you nothing right now with where banks are with what they're paying but it is so critical like as you said you never know when something's going to happen yeah it's... and I, I i think the two you know we like to have the big ask on the show so the two action items if you will the takeaways from this point is not only do i need to set up an emergency fund i'll personally probably open up an online account um i won't plug anyone because no one's paying me but i i that uh, that emergency fund can't also be tied to my checking account no it has to be has to be outside out of mind. And I'm a little bit of a squirrel. I like to, ha- I have like a couple. I like try and hide money different places because then if you don't see it, it doesn't bother you so much that it's in cash, right? But you know, in the back of your mind, it's there. And I like the online idea because it's harder to get it out, right? Because you have to transfer it to, you know, one of your physical banks. Um, the other one, and they don't sponsor us either, but I have been using it and I really like it. And I, one of, um, one of my clients told me about it was Digit. Have you tried out that app? Yeah, actually, we do plug Digit. Digit. They're, uh, they're actually not an official sponsor, but that is one that uh, Rich, my co-host, uses. I actually haven't used Digit, um, not for any reason, because I, I should say not for any batteries. I just haven't signed up for the service. I've ha- heard a number of good things. I just use an automated uh, service through my bank. So my bank automatically pulls some savings. It's just not a traditional emergency fund savings of three to six months is typically what people recommend. It yep. just pulls out about 25 to 100. It really just depends month to month because what I would tell people is it it hasn't been a priority for me, but that's not necessarily that it was wrong. And as you mentioned there, I just thought that I could I wasn't trying to, I'm not trying to get rich, but I thought I could do better. And and to be fair, I was, I I did do better. I did make significantly more percentage wise than I would have uh, had it just been sitting in a savings account. But to your point, that's not the function of it. And I think that's where people, including myself, that's where people get confused. It's it's a hard to divorce that logic of, yeah, it's an emergency fund, but it's money not making a high percentage. Yeah, exactly. That's not the point. That's not the point. It's for emergencies. It's like, but it's not making a high percentage. Like, like, we're in a logic loop right now. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. They're like, but it's doing nothing. I'm like, but it's supposed to do nothing. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Nothing. That's what we wanted to do. Do nothing. Be there. Always be yeah. there. Be consistent. Online uh, pillow. Uh, what people used to put buried it on the couch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Under the exactly. So, yes, I will. Lesson learned. That's my action item to myself to establish an emergency fund. And then to hide it from myself would be action item number two. I like it. And then why don't we wrap it up with what would be your biggest advice for people who are listening who have credit card debt? Because I think you're a big inspiration about how you got that all paid off and have changed all of your habits and have done so well financially. So uh, I do have to plug, although to be fair, it's in development, so I'm not going to like beat you all over the head. But uh, (laughs) we are putting a four-week course together that will talk about just getting the plan started. 
but I've, st I've still maintained, uh, because my thinking on this has evolved. So, you know, the, the, again, one of the things that comes either benefits or detriments of being a senior millennial is, you know, my thinking has evolved since I wrote this book at like 36 years uh, older and I have different perspective and there's a different way that I would approach different things. And I still do believe that it's getting started. So in the book, I talk about rock bottom. Um, for me, I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was working three jobs and I was living paycheck to paycheck. I wow. couldn't even cover the minimum. And although it never got there, in hindsight, I could not see any scenario. And it was going to happen quick. It's like a tidal wave. Like the, the wave was out and it was about to come back in because I'm working, I, I was at capacity for the amount of income I could make and I was struggling to make the minimum. And if I didn't get that next consolidation loan, I really did not know what was going to happen next. Like, I didn't know how I was going to make the payments. And fortunately, I did. But that night, I just told myself that this has spiraled too far out of control. And what I was kind of talking about as I'm putting this course together, we're literally actively developing it right now, is nothing changed about how much money I made. I didn't grow up any smarter. I was about 27 or excuse me, I didn't wake up any richer. Uh, I was about 27 at the time, and I was just like, I can't allow this to happen again. I will never put myself in this position again. Now, that was a little bit easier for me. I've come to realize over the years, because also part of my personality, I get this from my mom, shout out, she's probably gonna be mad that I said that, <laughs> is I'm stubborn as I don't know what. So when I finally do put my mind to something, whatever that something may be, I tend to achieve it or something close because I I just won't give up. It's that OCD. Like I said, it's right above turning the stove or the door now three times. It's like, <laughs> okay, I'm at rock bottom. I'll never put myself in this financial position again. And for me, all it meant was how do I do it? And so then I just spent those next seven years putting the plan together. So that four week course is, uh, I use debt as an acronym. It's define the problem. Uh, go to annualcreditreport.com, although there's several apps that could allow you to figure this out now because most people don't even know how much credit debt they have. They just know they have debt. And yep. like you said, they kind of avoid it. Uh, they know it's out there. It's just kind of looming in the dark. It's like um, hashtag not, uh, a bird box. It's just out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just out there existing. And that's like the credit card monster. Like, yo, you need to confront that. So figure out how much debt you have. E is establish a plan. And which is actually, to me, fundamentally the most important, and I think also to something you mentioned, it's the most boring, so it's the part that people least want to focus on. They want to jump to T, which I'll get to in a second. And then yep. B is to build a budget. So now that you know how much you owe, you've got a plan. I like to recommend a, a reliable uh, debt calculator. I don't specifically plug them because they don't matter. You just need a plan that works for you, the best plan. I like bank rate, but I don't want to fight about it. Bank rate's the best. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's no need to tag me in the streets about, no, it's only nerd wallet and nothing. And I was like, no, it's not that serious. <laughs> you, just, you just need something that works. And then build a budget that allows you to be successful at that plan. And those two steps are actually the most difficult. They'll be the most intricate part of the course. And then T is trust the process. The time will pass on its own. You yep. literally can just sit back and, and act the plan. And I like to recommend that everybody automate everything. So. That's a quick overview of the course. That's what I would recommend to people. It's a simple four-step plan. Most people think for something to work, it has to be complicated. And actually, I tend to find that more successful plans are actually the simplest. So it's a simple four-step plan, and then just stay focused. You know, If you're stubborn, it'll be easy like me. But even if you're not, just trust the plan will work. 
because it was literally based on math and then just allow it to work, adjust the plan, but never the goal. And that's to be debt free. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And as you said, the time's going to pass anyway. I think yes, that, that I can make few guarantees, but that is one that I always do. It's that is one that we can guarantee. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for being on the show. This was wonderful. Yeah, thank you for having me. And for all of our listeners, you can check out his podcast, Paychecks and Balances. And then he has, uh, what's the name of your course that you're coming out with? Uh, that'll be debt-free. It'll be D-E-B-T, like an acronym, so debt-free. And that'll be available at paychecksandbalances.com. In fact, you can find all, everything that you need there. Perfect. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much, Marcus. Right, thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.